Uh, today I want to talk about living in grace. Uh, throughout my dispensational life, uh, I've had people tutor me in a sense. You pick up their books and you read their materials and they really help you grow. But in my walk, I've uh, uh, had people tutor me and teach me certain things like Dr. Stam, Les Feldick, Richard Jordan, Dr. Barlow, Justin Johnson, uh, Joe Fink, uh, Keith Blades. And then as for this message here, I was going through and Sean Braxton and Brassix. And Sean's a, a wonderful Bible teacher and he's taught me so much. So I just wanted to give a shout out to him. Uh, he's a great guy. And I uh, thank him for all his input into my life. First uh, Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1 and 2 says this here. Let a man so account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. And uh, Paul even goes on a little bit later and he says to them that when he went to the Corinthians that he went there uh, only knowing Christ crucified. And there was a reason for that. Uh, it wasn't that he didn't know more. It wasn't that he wasn't smart or intelligent. He was tremendous. But it was the fact that his hearers, those individual people at Corinth that were so carnal, those individual people could not, could not handle solid meat. They were still babes in Christ. They didn't get the truth. And I liken that to what Paul says here, that you and I are to be stewards of the mysteries of God. Well, what are the mysteries of God? Well, they were revealed to the Apostle Paul. And it's our responsibility to get in to Pauline truth and to know what they say and mean and how we apply it to our lives. And if you don't know these dispensations, especially the gospel of Christ, the mystery gospel of Christ, uh, if you don't know that, you cannot live the way you should live under the dispensation of grace. And I'm going to show you that today. I think it's so important. There are a lot of true believers. They're, they're kind of far away from God, people say. They told that they're backslidden. They have unconfessed sin in their life, so they need to confess that sin. Uh, they need, they're the ones who need to dedicate their lives, rededicate. They need to come back to God, come back to the church. They need to start giving so God will bless them. And the big thing is they need to get back in fellowship with God. That's what people are told if they happen to sin or if they kind of drift away a little bit. And that is told to them quite often. Some say we must confess our sins daily or God will not bless us but will give us a cold shoulder. Uh, you know, I, I've heard that. Now, as a Baptist, I heard that many times. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And boy, how many times have we used that verse on people? Uh, he's not going to listen to you. He's cold-shouldering you. Well, what's happened is that 
a lot of wonderful people, good Christians who love the Lord. They've put their faith in Christ. They've put their faith in the gospel. And uh, the problem is they begin to then put into their life as their standard what Israel was told to do. Does that make sense? They begin to put in their lives what Israel was told to do. And when they do that, they place themselves under a performance, a law-based acceptance system in order to please God. Now, when you're thinking about that, to think that one can follow the law or a certain performance, and that gives him a right standing before God, if a person thinks that, they have forgotten that it was Jesus Christ's performance is what made him right in his standing before God in the first place. It wasn't his personal performance, but it was the personal performance of Christ that made him accepted before God. Now, we will see in Israel's time past a couple of things that will help us today about this thing. Exodus 19, 5 says this, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. As Israel came out of Egypt, out of bondage, God made her a proposal. They could be his people if they did everything within that covenant and that law perfectly. If Israel was obedient, Israel would be blessed. But the negative consequences of that is, if Israel sinned, then Israel would be cursed, okay? Now, Moses repeated this law. He repeated it to the new generation when they came out of, out of the wilderness. You remember they wandered for 40 years, then they came out of the wilderness, and he repeats it, Deuteronomy 28, verse 1. And it shall come to pass, if thou shalt hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord thy God to observe and to do all his commandments which I command thee this day, that the Lord thy God will set thee on high above all nations of the earth. And then verse 15, But it shall come to pass, if thou will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments and his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee, and overtake thee. So you have the law. If you're obedient, blessed. If you're not obedient, you're cursed. Forty years prior to Deuteronomy at Sinai, Moses had Israel agree to that law covenant. He says in Exodus 19, verse 7, Moses came and called the elders of the people and laid before their faces all these words which the Lord commanded him. And then he states in verse 8, And all the people, now this is the group of people of Israel, answered together and said, All that the Lord hath spoken, what? We will do, 
and Moses returned to the words of the of the words of the people unto the Lord. The, the Lord. Now this is amazing. Instead of following their father Abraham, Amen. Instead of following Abraham and the promises there, not obedient to the law, but simply because Abraham by faith loved and followed God in grace. That was Abraham. But Israel and Moses chose the law instead of grace. Even when Christ came, they were still under the law 1,500 years later. Now, can you think that through? Here I am, law or grace. Huh? I don't know about you. I'm not going to choose the law, but the people did. I can do it. I'm special. I can keep the law. There's no problem. I can do what God tells me to do. That's called pride. And through pride, they chose the law over grace. And by the way, that's exactly what people do today. They choose the law over their lives rather than grace over their lives. And that's what I'm talking about this morning. Under law, whenever a Jew sinned, his fellowship definitely was broken. So certain animals were needed to be sacrificed for their individual sins, personal sins they had committed. And then even once a year, the high priest would go on the Day of Atonement into the holy place and shed blood upon the mercy seat for the national sins at that time. But the Jew... He was fearful of sinning, which broke his fellowship with God. David is an example of that. Psalm 51 says this here. Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came unto him after he had gone into Bathsheba. David says, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not the Holy Spirit from me. Now that's a Jewish boy praying because of his sin. And often believers today, they use David's pray, prayer when they're praying. They beg God to blot out their sin. They beg God to wash them. And if they've committed any horrible sins, then they wonder if they're even saved at that time. Don't take the Holy Spirit from me. Huh? That's what David said. Some today use Psalm 88, 14 
Lord, why castest thou off my soul? Why hidest thou thy face from me? What are you hiding from me, God? Our fellowship broken? You're hiding from me? Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities, your sins, have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. And people will grab a hold of those verses. But the truth is, Psalms and Isaiah were not written specifically to us. They were written to the Jews. Under the dispensation of grace, we are completely different. We have such a more majestic salvation than they ever thought about in the body of Christ today. Often churches use some of these verses as scare tactics to try to get the congregation to do what they want them to do. For instance, they'll come along and they'll say, you better tithe or you'll be cursed. Huh? You ever heard that? How many of you ever heard that before? I preached it before. <laughs> Malachi chapter 3, 8 through 11. And uh, you've robbed God. <laughs> and boy, go after him. And you know... Uh, I did it ignorantly, thank God. It wasn't on, on purpose of true understanding. But they will tell us that. Or they'll say this, you're disobedient if not water baptized. You can't join the church if you've not been baptized. You can't do anything in the church if you're not baptized. And so on and so on and so on. Or they'll say this, if you're really wanting God and you want to serve God, just ask, ask God to pour his spirit out upon you. Well, wait a minute. I thought we got all the spirit when we got saved. Hello? Some others say this, well, you, you won't be forgiven unless you go to a confessional or to an altar. You can't be forgiven unless you do that. And the truth and the confusion is this here. We don't rightly divide as we ought. And we confuse ourselves with Israel at times. Hello? We confuse ourselves with Israel at times. Rather than understanding what we have in Christ, we go to what Israel has. Huh? We place ourselves under a system that is not operating today. Did you, did you hear what I just said? Israel temporarily has been suspended, their ministry set aside until the body of Christ is full and we're taken out of here. Then God resumes dealing with Israel. He's not dealing with Israel as a nation today. But yet we place ourselves under Israel's program at times where God is not operating in that realm today. Somebody said that's good? Well, hey, amen. Somebody said something. Y'all just sit there just look at me like that. <laughs> amen. <laughs> we place ourselves under that. And this is why so many are miserable. They're trying to do something God is not doing today. Huh? 
They're trying to do something that God is not doing today. Today, Paul is our apostle, and he says, we who have believed are already blessed with spiritual blessings. Ephesians 1, 3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. 2 Corinthians 8, 8 says, I speak not by commandment, by, but by occasion of forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. And he's talking there about giving. God has given us so much. We don't give to get. God just meets our needs always. Have you ever noticed that? You see, Israel, to prove their love for God, they would give expecting God to give back. He says, prove me. Isn't that what God said? Prove me. You give your tithes and offerings, and I'll fill your barns. And today, we're not trying to prove God because God's already been proven faithful because of Calvary. Amen? He doesn't need to prove to us anything. And the question is, how did we receive the Holy Spirit? Did we receive the Holy Spirit by works? No. It was by faith in what Jesus Christ did for us on that cross. When we put our faith in his work, that's when we receive the Spirit of God. Amen? By faith. By faith. Now, wouldn't it be foolish to think that our Christian walk now would operate any different on a daily basis than living by faith? Why do we bring in the rules and the regulations after we get saved? We didn't need them to get saved. Now, why do we need them now? Galatians 3.3 says this here, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Of course, no, you're not. We were never saved by works, so we will never stay saved by works. We were not born into Adam's family by our works, and we are not born into God's family by our works. We entered into God's family by faith. Faith in Christ's obedience. He was obedient even unto death. We, did, did you get that? We, we were saved because of our faith in Christ's obedience. And our daily relationship, our daily fellowship, is always based upon Christ's once for all obedience on that cross. Huh? Colossians 2.6 says this here. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. How did we receive the Lord? By faith. How are we are to live? By faith. Not rules, regulations that show spirituality. But by faith alone in Christ's obedience. Not our obedience. His obedience. That's so important. 1 Corinthians 1, 8, 9. Who shall also confirm you unto the end, 
that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom ye were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Thus Corinthians, despite their many immoral things, unethical, social, legal, church, sinful practices, problems, the most carnal baby-like congregation that Paul wrote to, yet he says about them, they had, in spite of all of that, they had fellowship with God. Why is that? Fellowship is not based upon our obedience. It's based upon Christ's obedience and our faith in that obedience. Hello? It wasn't based upon their behavior. It wasn't based upon their performance. They lacked godly living, the Corinthians. It was based uh, because of Jesus Christ's accomplishment. They still had salvation. They still were having spiritual blessings. They still were forgiven of all. And they still were always accepted in the beloved. What they needed was they needed to get into the Bible and learn who they are in Christ and what Christ had done for them in order for them to live according the way God wants them to live. Amen? Our obedience or disobedience is not the issue. Jesus Christ's obedience is the issue. This is how we have fellowship with God. It's unconditional. It's now. And it's forever. There's no time in your Christian walk where you can't bow your head and talk with Almighty God and have fellowship with Almighty God. You always have fellowship with God. Amen? Why abandon such a wonderful system as grace? Why throw grace away and return to a law-like, miserable bondage system? Amen? A good question is this here. If always in Christ, always in fellowship, then why do we at times feel so far away? Now, what I was saying early on, don't miss this now. We're, the reason is we're not thinking correctly dispensationally. You see, Israel could lose their fellowship with God because of what God said in the covenant he made with him. We're not under a covenant. We're under the promises of God, what he says in his word. We've allowed Satan, the world, and our flesh to sidetrack our thinking. We've allowed the devil to place our thinking back under Israel's program and do and think like that rather than remaining in the grace program that we are safe, secure, loved, blessed, in fellowship, always in Christ 
because of what Christ has done for us. That's what his salvation experience is for all of us. We have it all. Amen? God help us to see this. Unless we have a clear understanding of God's word to us, we'll not be able to practice correctly godly behavior because we will not know God's word to us. Huh? Boy, well, if I'm not in there studying Pauline truth, I don't know how to live correctly for today then. So how can I be doing the will of God if I'm not in that truth and I'm using everything else? You might do some good things. I'm not saying that. But I am saying, do you want the perfect will of God for your life? You need to read 13 epistles called Pauline epistles. That's where you find it for you. Romans 12, 2 says this here. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. 1 Thessalonians 2, 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard of us, you receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God. Now get this, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. When you put the truth, appalling truth, into your mind, into your heart, into your thinking, you will come to the conclusion that Israel's scriptures don't belong to us. Amen? They belong to... Boy, that's deep. (laughs) Amen? Knowing we are in Christ, we now know that our salvation, our fellowship, are intertwined in our knowledge and belief in the sufficiency of Christ's work. The focus is not on my behavior. The focus is upon Christ's behavior and what he accomplished. And all the glory goes to him, not myself. I'm not patting myself on the back. Well, the reason I have fellowship with God and I'm close to God, I'm spiritual, is that I, I, I. Not at all. If I have anything, I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen. Amen. That's what Paul says. 2 Corinthians 3, 5. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. And ye are complete in him. You're completed. Which is the head of all principality and power. Paul's challenge for us today, his challenge for you, for me as believers, is Galatians 5.25, and I'm about done. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, I'm going to break that verse down. If we live in the Spirit, that's the believer's new position. The moment I put my faith 
in the finished work of Christ. He died, he was buried, he rose again. He's the son of God who did that for me. That's enough to save me. I believe it's for me. I put my faith in that. At that moment, he takes you out of Adam. He places you in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. I have a new position now. I am in Christ. I'm saved. And everything that I need for my walk, for my life, is already given to me by Christ. He should get glory. Amen. We should be praising him for such a wonderful salvation that we have. But we sit like bumps on a log. I was sitting there this morning listening to the song. I said, God, what's wrong with me? I need to get up and start screaming or something. I said, as David said, Lord, return unto me the joy of thy salvation. Amen. And then that verse says there, if you're in the spirit, you've been saved, you have a new position, let us also walk in the spirit. That's the believer's behavior, the believer's lifestyle. When we walk in the Spirit, we're allowing the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us to work in us, to teach us truth. And since we're in the body of Christ, body of Christ truth of the mystery program that you only find in Paul's epistles. And we put that truth in us in order to live out God's will that's for today. That's for today. Now think about it. Christ paid the full penalty for our sins. Amen? On the cross, he said, it is finished. Everything necessary to wash away man's sins forever, all for one time, it's been accomplished. Paid in full. Huh? And then he sat down. No more sacrifices needed. So Christ paid the full penalty for our sins. Secondly, Christ delivered us from the curse of the law. The law shows us our sins, and the law demands death for sin. But Christ took our place. Amen? And since he died for my sins, the law can never ever charge me for sin. Hello? Isn't that great? Three, Christ defeated Satan on the cross. Satan thought he had him. But God used Satan to have Christ crucified to take Satan in his own craftiness and Satan was defeated actually on the cross. Amen? And then four, Christ conquered death. He's alive. He rose from the grave victoriously. He's more than conquerors. He is the man, huh? the only potentate, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then Christ, five, took us to the Father's right hand. Today, if you're saved, your position is in Christ. Where is Christ? On the right hand of the Father. Your position that the Father sees us through, thank God, is a righteous position. 
It's in Christ. You're as close to the Father today as the Son is because you're in the Son. Amen? Think about that. It is very easy for me to believe what Christ has done is enough to save me, to maintain my salvation throughout eternity, and to have fellowship with him because of what he did for me. Not of what I can do. Not because I think that I can place myself under certain rules and commands and things that I have to do in order to maintain my salvation, in order to maintain fellowship with God. I have it. Why? I'm in Christ. He's given everything to me. And he's given everything to you if you're a child of God this morning. It's time that we start living in grace rather than living in bondage. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you for our truth that's been given to us by revelation to Paul. We know it's your truth you gave to Paul to share to us. And this morning, we just want to thank you. Forgive us when we don't consider how great salvation we truly have. This salvation that you give us that starts us and finishes us. This salvation that transforms us day from day to the next day to the next day until one day we stand before you. So God, we just want to just say thank you. We love you. Now because of that grace, we want to serve you. We want to be faithful to you. We want to give you our all. And I pray that will be the heart of all of our people here at Grace Point. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? We hope that you received a blessing from today's broadcast. We would love to have you to visit us in person. You can watch us live and view past services on our website at gpnd.net. For more information, please visit our website or contact us by phone. Until next week. May God richly bless you is our prayer.